Well, today we are continuing in our Make War series, and, uh, um, and last week we started this brand new series. You can see we've got this really cool set behind us, and uh, we all had our t-shirts on last week. We haven't got them this week, but we will bring them out again, I, I, I promise you. Um, but uh, last week we started this series, and basically the whole crux behind this series is this, is that, like it or not, you are at war. Like it or not, you are at war. And there is, some, there is something in this world that wants to destroy you. And you may be a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, and oh, you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. It makes no difference. Because this enemy wants to destroy you. And last week we discovered that there are four different types of enemies that are wanted, wanting to destroy you. And last week we dealt with the very first enemy that wants to destroy you. And that is the enemy of your past. And we discovered last week how we are to move on from our past and the things that have dragged us down for years and free us into a brand new, wonderful, bright future. Well, today we are, start, we are going to look at uh, the second enemy, uh, like I, uh, I call it the enemy of our soul, but the second enemy that wants to destroy you this morning in this Make War series. Before I do that, how many of you ever watched the 1984 movie Gremlins? Yeah, the cool 80s people, right? Well, I love this movie. But I remember when it came out, and a few years down the road, I really wanted to watch it, but my parents wouldn't let me watch it. And they were kind of strict with stuff that we watched on TV. And I watch stuff now that I wasn't allowed to watch then. And I'm like, wow, that was just harmless. My parents wouldn't let me watch it. So I, they would not let me watch Gremlins. And uh, so I would go to uh, like my friend's house, and they would have it, and uh, I would like put gremlins on. And they're like, what's your obsession with gremlins? I'm like, you don't understand it. My parents won't let me watch it. So I love this movie. But as I was thinking through what we're going to talk about today, it reminded me a little of this movie. And for those of you who have never seen it or have no idea what this movie is all about, it basically is this. That in 1984, there was a movie that came out called Gremlins, and I think in like 1990 or 92, there was like the return of Gremlins, or Gremlins 2 or something like that. But basically, the storyline centered around uh, a boy who got a pet for Christmas, and he got it from this uh, strange little Chinese place. And uh, the pet was basically uh, this animal called uh, a mogwi or Something like that. I can't exactly remember. But it was like this cute little bear kind of like thing. And it was, it was an actual pet. It was a, an animal. And uh, it looked the cutest thing ever. But it came with three specific instructions. And these were the instructions. The first one is never expose it to bright light, especially sunlight. Because if you do that, you're going to kill it, which is pretty sad. Um, and then the second thing that you should do is never, ever get this pet wet. Because if you get it wet, it's going to multiply. And guess what happened? It got wet and one little bear, and then there was lots and lots of little bears. And uh, try not telling that to your kids, how kids are made, right? You know, just get wet. <laughs> and, uh, and then the third thing that, that, uh, that you should never do with this little bear was this. Feed it after midnight. Because if you fed it after midnight, it would turn into a gremlin. And then a gremlin was this thing that just turned this little cute thing into uh, this, this, this nasty animal that would just go and terrorize. And what happened is these bears got wet, they multiplied, and there's more and more of them. And then they started feasting after midnight. They turned into gremlins, and they just totally destroyed the city. And it sounds a wonderful film, and they even made a second one. I mean, how about that? 
But these gremlins, they reminded me of, the, of what I want to talk about today, which is the second enemy of your soul. They started out as like this harmless, cute little thing, but they ended up destroying a city. And for you today, this enemy, there may be just one of these enemies in your life. Or if you're like the majority of us, there may be lots and lots of these enemies. There may be, in fact, hundreds of these enemies in your life today. You know what triggers these enemies. You know what triggers these things that that come in your life. But sometimes you have no idea how to stop them. The second enemy of our soul is something that I want to call our personal demons. Our personal demons. Everybody has them. And at some point in our lives, they may want to take control of your life. But let's be more specific today and really what these personal demons are all about. If you have your Bibles with you, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 7, and starting at verse 14 through to verse 25, we see somebody who is struggling with what I call his personal demons. It says here, it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Then he says this, he says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, I am a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I am doing what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. The principle here is very simple. It's this. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Now, how many of you this morning, you're like, I totally understand. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Here, this is what I call our personal demons. The things that we don't want to do, but we end up doing anyway. Some of you may call them weaknesses. Some of you may call them sins. Some of you may call them struggles. I call them my personal demons. Have you ever experienced this in your life? For some of you, it may be 
a serious thing. You may have some serious personal demons in your life. Some of you, you may be dealing with a, with, with a demon of pornography. Some of you, you may be dealing with a, with, with a demon of lust. Some of you, you may be dealing with a demon of, of, of excess alcohol or a demon of drugs. Some of you, you may be dealing with a personal demon of, of depression. But yet some of you, you may not have these big personal demons in your life. But instead, you have these small little personal demons that come into your life. Some of you, you've got these small demons like little mood swings that you just can't control. Or, or you get angry real easy and you can't help that. Others, you, you, you uh, can't help being lazy and you just can't get up your butt and do something. Others, you may get really upset or something and all that takes that, upset, uh, that being upset away is just going out to the store and doing a little bit of retail therapy and building up those credit cards. That may be a personal demon in your life. Others, you may just have insecure thoughts that come and come in your life. But I tell you today, no matter what your personal demon is, whether it is a big personal demon, whether it is small personal demons, it has one goal, and that is this. It is to destroy your life by crushing your very soul. Destroy your life by crushing your very soul. And so today, I want to share with you Four biblical weapons in this Make War series that you have at your disposal. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have this at your disposal so that you can help destroy these personal demons in your life. Some of you, you may go out of this place today and you may be able to destroy some of those, some of those weaknesses or struggles straight away. Others, it may take a lifetime to defeat. But these weapons, but I tell you, if you use these weapons, ultimately your personal demons will not be able to destroy your life or crush your soul. So let's just get straight into it today. The first weapon that you have at your disposal is found in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Matthew 26 and verse 41. Jesus is speaking here and this is what he says. He says, keep watch and pray. So that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Have you noticed? Christians, they're kind of a funny bunch, aren't they? Kind of, you get some unusual ones, you get some eccentric ones, you get some cool ones or right ones, but then, you know, you always have some nut job or something, you know. I mean, Christians, we're, you know, we're kind of crazy bunch. But have you always noticed, a Christian, whenever you've got a problem with something, the majority of Christians will say, well, pray about it. Pray about it. It's like our answer to everything. It's like when I was in Sunday school, when I was a kid and I went to kids' church, the answer was always Jesus. You know, I mean, answer to everything. It was like, uh, who got swallowed by a whale? Uh, Jesus. Um, You know, who fed the 5,000? Jesus. And we got it wrong or we're right. But always it was Jesus. Well, as Christians, if there's ever an issue, the answer is always, well, pray about it. You know, you're struggling in your marriage, well, pray about it. You're struggling with finances, well, pray about it. You're struggling with your personal demons, well, pray about it. But have you noticed something? I don't know if it's just me. But sometimes I pray and pray and pray about things. But it just doesn't work. 
There's sometimes in my life I pray and prayer works. But there's other times I pray and it doesn't work. And I often find when it comes to these personal demons, these struggles, these weaknesses I have in my life, I can pray and pray and pray about it. But yet, for some reason, it just keeps coming back and back and back. And I never understand why. Well, the problem is this. Is that, like I said, there is an enemy of your soul who wants to destroy you. Like it or not, you're at war with this enemy. Some of you may want to run and hide or just put your head under a pillow and hope it all goes away. But nevertheless, you are at war. That means that you are living a life that is in warfare. And have you noticed something? In warfare, just because somebody has a great weapon, it does not stop the other side from attacking. I mean, think, you, you go down to Afghanistan and our troops uh, there are fighting against the Taliban and, uh, and what's left of Al-Qaeda. And the Americans have far superior weapons than the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. But yet that doesn't stop the war going on in Afghanistan. Because Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are wanting to get rid of the Americans and destroy the Americans so that they can now take over Afghanistan once again. It doesn't matter that the Americans have much better weapons than them. And in the fight for your soul, it is exactly the same. There is an enemy who knows that you have a weapon and that weapon is called prayer. But just because you have that weapon, it does not stop this enemy coming trying to attack you. I believe in prayer that you have the greatest weapon that you can possess. However, I think this is the problem with a lot of us Christians and myself as well. I think so often we use prayer as a deterrent instead of using it as a weapon. So what happens? We may be struggling with something. Take for someone, someone has a gambling addiction. And they, their, their addiction happens, I don't know, 12 o'clock every night. They get on the computer. Their wife and kids are in bed. They just can't sleep. They get on the computer and they have this addiction. And they just want to stop it. They do the things they don't want to do. And they just they hate doing it. But yet they're on the computer every night with this gambling addiction. And they just can't stop it. And then in the morning they feel so bad. They wake up and they pray about it. They're like, God, help me. Help me get, to get rid of this gambling addiction. And they pray all morning. And and they're hoping that God will answer their prayer. And then 12 o'clock rolls around the next night. And they're back on the computer. Loading up their credit cards. Because they have this gambling addiction. Well, why didn't the prayer work? Well, I think they're using prayer as a deterrent. They're saying, God, don't let this enemy or this personal demon attack me. But instead of using it as a weapon. And here in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, we are told to do something different with prayer. If you notice, it says here, Jesus says, it says, keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray. He didn't just say just pray. He says, keep watch and pray. I believe this, is, this is, uh, means that we're to read the signs. We're to read the atmosphere of what is going on in our lives. And when we know that those personal demons are going to strike in our lives, that is when we are to pray. I'll give you an example. Hundreds of years ago, I'm from England and we have lots of castles in England. 
um, and you always see the castle at the top of the hill, and you always see like a watchtower. And what would happen uh, hundreds of years ago is that you would get a soldier who would stand at the top of this watchtower, and he would watch all the land waiting for an enemy to come. And if he would see an enemy on the horizon, he would suddenly ring out the alarm. And he would yell out that the enemy was coming. He would ring a bell or something like that. So everybody would know and get ready to fight. Well, in the same way, in your life, when those personal demons are ready to attack, you need to keep watch. You need to know in your life when those things that you don't want to do are about to strike in your life. So the guy who knows that he can't sleep at night and gets on the computer and starts with his gambling addiction, he knows the moment that he can't sleep at night that his personal demon is about to attack. His weakness, his struggle is about to attack. And that is the point that you should pray. That is the point that you should pray. When you start to see those things happening in your life, that is when you are to pray. Because prayer is a weapon. And a weapon is no good if there's no enemy. But when the enemy comes and attacks, that is when you should use your weapon. And prayer is your weapon. Use prayer as a weapon, not a deterrent. Because the thing is, you cannot deter this enemy. Because this enemy wants to attack your soul at all costs. So that's the first one. You are to watch and then pray. The second weapon that you have at your disposal is something what I call picking up your sword. Picking up your sword. We find here in uh, in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17. The last part of verse 17. It says this. It says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We know the Word of God as the Bible. The words that are in the Bible. That is the Word of God. And it's also called the sword of the Spirit. Now listen to this. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Notice again, the Spirit. The Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. If you let this Spirit in your life, You will not do what your sinful nature craves. Those things that you just don't want to do in your life, but you keep doing them. The Bible is very clear that we have a weapon which is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Word of God. And it tells us that this sword is like a double-edged sword. It's not just one, just like lame sword that cuts one way, but it cuts both ways. It's a pretty neat sword. It's a neat weapon to have. And we are told here in Galatians that if we are guided by this Spirit, or let me continue, if we are guided by the words of this book, then the things that we crave or the things that we do that we don't want to do will not be able to survive. You may be asking, Alex, are you saying that if I just read my Bible, then my personal struggles or my personal demons, if you call them that, will just go? Well, actually, yes, I am saying that. However, it's a little bit more than that. It's all very well reading your Bible. But there's a difference between someone who reads their Bible and someone who is guided by their Bible. 
reading your Bible and being guided by your Bible. I believe that these are the words of God in this book. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and it is active. And I believe that when you start to let these words not just go into your mind, but when you start to let these words guide your life, get into your heart and guide your life, that is when the Spirit of God comes in your life and it guides you. And then these things that I call personal demons will not be able to survive in your life. Because Galatians says that where the Spirit is, the sinful nature cannot coexist. And where the sinful nature is, the Spirit cannot coexist. So if you are letting the words of this book penetrate your life and guide your life, then this sinful nature cannot coexist. It cannot find a place in your life to exist. Some of you, you may find it real hard to read your Bible. And I'll be honest this morning. I sometimes struggle to read my Bible. I sometimes struggle to read some of the words in this book. And I used to have a real problem where I really found it difficult. I'll be honest. And it's hard for a preacher to say this. I found it boring at times. I mean, have you ever tried to read Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers? I'm like, jeez. It's like hard work. It's like going to the dentist. I think I'd rather go to the dentist. But there's something about this book. When you start to let it guide your life, you start getting a craving for more and more of this book. And this is what I do in my life. And I'm not saying that you should do this, but this is what I do in my life to make sure that this book is guiding my life and my sinful nature is not guiding my life. I always sit down and read my Bible when I'm not preoccupied with other things. Every one of us has times in our day where we're not preoccupied. Whether that's eating breakfast or lunch or dinner, going to the bathroom, I don't know. Everybody has times when we're not preoccupied. I always make sure that when I'm reading this Bible, I am not preoccupied so that I can let these words sink into my life. Something else I discovered, I really don't read more than a chapter a day. Some people say, you should read the Bible in a year. Well... That's good for you. And I've tried it, and I'm actually still trying it. It's just hard. I really don't read more than a chapter a day. And the reason is, is because I want the words to sink in. I don't want them just to be like reading a book. Read and then forgotten about. Another thing that I always do, I always ask the question when I'm reading my Bible, God, what are you trying to say to me through this scripture? How does this scripture apply to my life? And I found that by asking that question, suddenly these words just start leaping off this page. And I suddenly find guidance for life. And then the last thing I do, I make sure I do it every day. Whether it's just a small section or it's a lot, I make sure I do it every day. And I find the translation of the Bible that I find easy to read. Now let me just digress for a little bit. You know, some of you... You may read, I don't know, King James. Some of you may read New King James, uh, American Standard. Uh, you know, there's, there's the New International Version. I'll be honest, I don't read any of those. And uh, I remember I used to read King, the King James all the time. And my dad was here a few weeks ago. And like, he was reading from the King James. I was looking up. I was like, boy, I'm glad I don't read this anymore. Not because it's bad. It's just because I find it really difficult to read. It doesn't flow for me. 
And then I started reading a translation called the New International Version. Everyone said this is like a modern day version. And I'll be honest, I really didn't like it. Because for me, I just didn't feel it read. It flowed as much as I wanted. And then I found a translation called the New Living Translation. And it was a translation, some of you may like it, some of you may not. But it was a translation for me that I suddenly started to read and I could really understand. And the words just flowed for me. And I started reading this and I started grasping how incredible this book is. A book that will guide your life because it is actually the sword of the Spirit. And so when those personal struggles come in your life, it is the words of this book that will starve them of any attention that they may have. The third weapon that you have as a believer of Jesus Christ in your arsenal against these personal demons or these personal struggles is this. I call it community. Community. Even though each of us have our own personal struggles, our own personal demons, we do not fight this battle alone. In fact, I believe that the Christian life is one that was supposed to be lived in a community and not alone. And when you are attacked by the enemy of your soul and you are not in community with other people, the chances are that the enemy of your soul is going to win. The chances are that these personal demons or these struggles are going to overtake your life. Let me show you something in the Bible. I'll be honest, I'd never seen it until this week, until I was going through this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, Jesus is giving the Lord's Prayer. And I'm sure most of us know the Lord's Prayer, whether we said it at school, you know, you've heard on TV, and it's, you know, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, the, the Lord's Prayer. Well, there towards the end, it says this. It says in verse 12, it says, Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I started reading this and I started realizing that here is a prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that was not meant to be said alone. It was meant to be said in community with other people. In community with other people. It doesn't say, Lord, lead me out of temptation. It doesn't say, give me my daily bread. It doesn't say, protect me. In fact, it says, lead us, forgive us. Feed us. Protect us. It's a prayer that only can be said when you are in community with other people. And I believe one of the hardest things in this world there is to do is this. It's to tell somebody else what your weaknesses and struggles are. I think as a man, I find this real difficult to talk to other people. You know, women kind of do it a little easier. You know, they just get up and they cry and, you know, and they're like, I'm struggling with this now. But guys are like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not telling anybody how I feel. I think that one of the hardest things in the world to tell other people what our weaknesses and sins are. Why do you think that is? Is it just the way that we were made? I don't think so. I think it's so hard to tell other people about our sins and our weaknesses. Is this, is because there is an enemy of our souls 
who knows that when we are joined in our fight with others, and others are there praying for us, others are there encouraging us, others are there helping us along, our chances of victory over those personal struggles are increased greatly. And so I think the enemy of your soul tells you, don't tell anybody about the stuff that's going on in your life. Don't tell them, because he knows that the chances are he's going to lose if you do. Now, let me just say, this isn't to say that you go tell everybody all your problems. So, you know, if, if you've got a problem in here, don't just stand up saying, hey, I've got these problems. And the reason I say that is this. It's because not everybody is ready to fight with you. Some people will fight against you. Some people will use those things in your life to try to destroy you, and they don't even know it. Some people don't like you. I know that's hard to say, but, you know, not everybody likes us all the time. But I do believe that you are to find people who love you, who care for you, who want the best for you, and who will be willing to fight with you against these personal struggles, these personal demons, these weaknesses. And what that means, it means at times that that person, all those persons, may say things to you that you do not like. It may mean that they may be harsh with you at times. I'll be honest, my wife is harsh with me at times. I know that's hard to believe, isn't it, you know? She really is harsh. I mean, on Monday, I was kind of in a funk. I wasn't feeling well, and I wasn't doing something I should have been doing. And uh, she was just, she yelled at me. I did not like it. But it's because she knew that I couldn't let myself be in this funk. I needed to get off and, 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 and be in action and, and do something that I was meant to do. And those people in your life, they will be harsh with you. They may say things that you don't like, but accept that. Because they are there to fight with you. What it ultimately means it says, is that you will together make war and defeat your enemies. And very quickly this morning, the last weapon that you have. I think one of the biggest lies that this enemy will want to tell you is that you're not good enough. You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for other people. I think this enemy will tell you, you will never change. These struggles that you have in your life are there for good. You will never, ever change. I think these personal demons will tell you in your life that, it, that you will never be able to stop what you're doing, and that means that God will never be able to bless you. God will never fulfill what he has designed you for. So what's the point? I think the point is this, is that is a lie. I really believe that is a lie from the very pit of hell itself. And did you know that God will work in your life in spite of you and the things that you so often do? I think there is so, something that's so much more powerful than any of your weaknesses. So much more powerful than any sin in your life. So much more powerful than any spiritual attack. And those who believe in Jesus Christ have it. And this is it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7. This is the same guy who's writing this, who said before, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. He said this, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. 
a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. So one of his personal demons, I'm not sure what it is. We're not sure what his struggle was, but it was in his life. He said this, he said, three times I begged to the Lord. He prayed three times to take it away. And each time he said, my grace, this is what God says, my grace is all you need. My power, God's power works best in weakness. So I am now glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think the fourth weapon and the final weapon I want to talk about this morning is this. It's called grace. Grace. God's grace. When you allow this grace or this forgiveness, this hope that God comes and gives and you allow it to penetrate your life, you find forgiveness for the things that you do in your life. You find peace over the things that you are struggling over. You find strength to overcome those personal demons and you find a hope for tomorrow. When you allow this grace to come and penetrate your life, then you will be able to move on from the things that you did yesterday. And you will be able to push aside your weaknesses that will come tomorrow. In fact, the Apostle Paul here who wrote this, he says, in fact, the weaker that you become, the stronger you become. Because the weaker that you become, the more God's grace comes and changes you and allows you in your life. And when God's grace comes in your life, those Enemies that come against you, those personal demons, those struggles, they do not have a hold over your life because God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. There's an enemy of your soul. He has one purpose. That is to destroy you at all costs. You may think, you're being a little over the top. I'm not. I'm serious. You have an enemy who wants to destroy you at all costs. And this is the reason why. Twofold reason. The first reason is, and like I said, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not this morning, it doesn't matter. Because you are a creation of God. And because you are a creation of God, this enemy, who we'll talk about in week four a little bit more, but this enemy hates anything that God has created. And because you are a creation of God, he hates you. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your drinking partner. He's your enemy and he hates you. And the second reason he hates you is because of this. It's because not only are you a creation of God, but you matter to God. You matter to God. And because you matter to God, he hates you. He hates you. He uses tactics and methods. And last week we saw the tactic of our past. Today is the tactic of our personal demons, our struggles, our weaknesses. And he uses these tactics and these methods to destroy you. Doing the things that we don't want to do, but we keep doing. But here in Romans chapter 7, and I'll close with this. Romans chapter 7, verses 19 to 20. Listen to this. He said, this is Paul again saying, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, 
but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, listen to this, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Paul tells us here, he says, even though we do these wrongs, it's not really us doing these wrongs. It is the sin that has penetrated this world in human life that is doing it. He calls it another power that we are at war with. This is the power of sin. Those things that you do, they are not you. It is the enemy of your soul that is at work. And you have a choice. You can run and hide, hoping that it may go away, or you can make war on this enemy and fight your personal demons until the day comes when you no longer do what you don't want to do and you start living a life where you do what you know what is right and good. And I get real, very real with you this morning. Some of you guys, you may be struggling with pornography this morning. That's a personal demon. And it will destroy your life. Some of you ladies, and I'm not just saying ladies, because guys have this problem as well, but you see it a lot more in ladies. Some of you ladies, you have an issue with just spending, and your spending is out of control. It's a personal demon. It's a struggle. It's a weakness. Some of you, you don't know when one drink is enough. That's a personal demon. It's a struggle. It's a weakness. Some of you, you just can't even get off Facebook to get up and say hi to your kids. That is a personal demon. That is a weakness in your life. There are so many different things. Some of you, you have so much negativity about your life. That is a personal demon. That is a weakness. Some of you, you can't help but take a second look at that pretty girl who walks past. Even though you know that you shouldn't. That is a weakness. That is a personal demon. There's so many things in our lives that may come against us. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, then you have four weapons at your disposal that will destroy any weakness, struggle, or personal demon that may come your way. Watch and pray. Let the Bible guide your life. Stay in community with other people and allow the grace of God in. If you're not a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, I'm sad to say you don't have those weapons at your disposal. And there's still an enemy who wants to destroy you and take your joy, take your hope. But this morning you have great news because you can become a believer of Jesus Christ this morning. And you can possess those weapons. You can let the Bible, the words of God just come and guide your life. And those things that you struggle with day after day, week after week, month after month, you can take hold of those. And so this morning, what I want you to do, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And in a moment, we're going to pray. But before we do that this morning, I want to ask you, are you a believer in Jesus Christ this morning? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If you're not, I want to give you an opportunity to find hope through the very life 
message and gospel of Jesus Christ. He will change your life, not for the worst, but for the better. Your life will be like it's never been before. And I'm not promising life will just be rosy and and wonderful. Because life is hard. Life is tough. But you'll have somebody who calls himself your friend, your savior, your father, and your God. And if you accept him into your life, he will come and do incredible things in your life. And your life will never be the same. And not only will you get a pass into something that we call heaven, but you'll have hope for this life in which you live.